Do you ever have a moment uh, where everything went in slow motion in real life? It's happening to me right now, Will, because we're about to record an episode and I've done 48 minutes of research. And I am so excited. <laughs> the best bits are you small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You are stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Kevin, a writer of one and a bit films plus three and a bit episodes of TV. And I'm joined once again by my co-host, a writer of three films plus a Christmas special, Will Collins. podcast slow-mo where i'm going slow-mo kevin that's what i'm doing yes we're doing slow motion scenes and what you reckon can we get an episode out of it we definitely can because some of the scenes are absolutely fantastic i've got a question for you Mm. steven spielberg have you heard of him having a clue but go on sure i'll give him chat about him anyway okay yeah he's he's a film director okay he's been going for a while yeah can you name any of his slow motion sequences in his movies good question because I was coming into this episode with a hot take which was Spielberg has never done any slow-mo sequences in all of his movies and then I took a second and I did some research and I found there's loads no he has he hasn't done loads but one of his best sequences is a slow motion scene oh really okay give me uh-huh. give me a hint give me a hint I like this it's an 80s movie is it Empire of the Sun it is. It's the slow-mo flyover of the Cadillac of the sky. I love that shot. And with young Christian Bale there framed in the middle. Yeah. I love it. One of his most indelible and iconic shots, slow motion. So there you go. So my hot take that I'm glad that I did an extra 10 seconds of research would have been blown out of the water by that one sequence. has also done slow-mo twice more that I can think of. Okay. Maybe he's done it in Ready Player One, but I've blocked that movie out. But <laughs> Jewel, the end of Jewel, when the truck is going over the cliff, it's a slow motion fall. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting jumping off point. Because whenever you have car crashes. A cliff? <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Jump off a cliff. Excuse one. the pun. Actually, it's completely unintentional. Whenever you have car crashes or big explosions generally a lot cooler to do them in slow motion 
even just slight bit of slow motion. Yeah, we love watching destruction in slow motion. There's whole YouTube channels out there where you can just watch things being blown up in super slow motion. And they're very satisfying to watch. Very, very satisfying. They are. Because you feel like you have a superpower. You're seeing things that you would never see with the naked eye. And that's one of the things I think that film can do really well. And going back to your initial point about would you ever write a slow motion scene, you absolutely wouldn't write the truck drives off the edge of the cliff, then we see it tumble in slow motion. You never would write that, ever. But as you said, it's a directorial choice. It's satisfying to look at the destruction of an object or a vehicle or a human being. (laughs) Yeah, because I think if you were to imagine that in your head, you might imagine the shittiest version of that. Mm. Yeah. You know, where they've done like the intermittent frames and they've sort of slowed it down in post-production. Uh, like what Ridley Scott would often do oh, yeah. to get that slow motion versus overcrank the camera and then mm-hmm. run more film through the camera so that when you play it back at 24 frames per second, like you might be running it at 48 frames per second, yeah. then you play it back at 24 and it's going, it's going twice the speed. Wow. No, it's going half the speed. 48, 48 minutes, minutes of research. research. Wow. Well, they're, they're going through twice as much film. And that's where the term to overcrank the camera comes from because they were cranking the camera and if they wanted to go slow motion, they would crank it faster. Ah. And that's why an iconic one is the opening of Reservoir Dogs of the guys <laughs> in black. You've done the same 48 minutes of research that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Will. Go on, tell Did me. Did you Kevin. know that Tarantino had to fake the slow-mo because it was so expensive to burn through that much film. I didn't know that. And what did he do instead? He did a thing where he was reusing the same frames of the image more than once in order to artificially slow it down. Oh, so he... Rather than burn through more film. So that's why it doesn't have that really smooth slow-mo effect. It's a little bit staccato-y looking, slightly. It's still slow-mo, but yeah. it looks a little bit staccato. Wow, I didn't know this, Kevin. So when we talk about slow-mo, that's one thing to to, um, to eat up some time in this episode that I can say, <laughs> which is... <laughs> right. In something like Psycho, when Marion Crane hits the bathroom of the, the Bates Motel's floor and the camera pulls out very slowly, that's not a slow-motion scene. It would be more like um, bullet time in in... Uh, a film called what's it called uh, uh, it's called The Matrix <laughs> that's slow motion where the process of recording the action has uh, been augmented to be able to slow it down when it's displayed so hold on now clarify that for me because I'm just unsure yeah let's eat up some more time no 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 no, no. <laughs> with, with Psycho are you specifically referencing Psycho did they use a different technique in Psycho is that what you're saying no, I'm saying that a very slow moving scene is not a slow motion scene. Okay, okay, I get you now. Right, right. I, I can't think of any slow motion scenes that Hitchcock's done, but I'm sure if I gave it another 10 seconds of research, I could probably find <laughs> multiple ones. Maybe there's something in Vertigo, I don't know. He did it with Grace Kelly's entrance in Rear Window, slowing down her kiss with Jimmy Stewart. How's your leg? It hurts a little. We cannot not discuss slow motion scenes and not discuss The Matrix because Jesus Christ. I know, but slow down a second. Okay. Okay. Slow I'm, I'm there. Down. Slow down. I need to give people a little bit of history 
on the slow motion scene. Great. All right, let me just read this here. I've copied and pasted this off of the internet. Good man. So, cinema is credited as being created by the Lumiere brothers. Wow. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play to them. In 1894. Holy shit. In those days, cameras were hand-cranked, so over-cranked. Well, I've said all that. Let me just have a scan down here. Gobsites. Um, uh, oh, this is something I can say. Yeah. That image in your head, I think it is actually, it was used in Nope recently, of oh. the horse moving in slow motion. With the jockey, yeah. Yeah, that was a technique that Moybridge, Edward Moybridge used in order to capture the movement of a horse. It matches up nicely with the Matrix. Mm-hmm. What they did in the Matrix was directly copying what he'd done, which is to use still cameras. So he'd have 16 cameras taking still images to sort of capture a horse moving in slow motion versus the Matrix, which would use 165 cameras daisy-chained together. Mm-hmm. Um, 48 minutes of research. But slow motion has been going from the beginning of time when it comes to, to the beginning of cinema, when it comes to filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. The Lumiere brothers were using it. George Millet was using it uh, because they were manually cranking the film at that time, so they could manipulate it a lot easier. And yeah, well, I've said that. Mm. It's why when you look at a, a lot of uh, silent movies, people are moving in fast mode mm-hmm. because they've slightly undercranked it, and uh, it results in it moving too quickly. People are like fucking flies zipping all over the place. Yeah. Like a, a one and a half speed, mm. which is how I watch most movies these days. <laughs> That's why it's fascinating to watch those little videos that pop up in line where we see those old silent hand cranked movies, like of people on the streets back, you know, from Victorian London, and they've just remastered them. And it looks haunting almost to see these people come to life. Or when they colorize their speed. It's like, oh my God. Colorize. What I find fascinating, what you're saying there, Kevin, is that The Matrix felt like a revolution in how films were being made and how they would go on to be made in the future and had a massive impact in popular cinema for the coming decade because everyone tried to emulate it. The technique they used to create that amazing slow motion spin around was the earliest form of capturing something on cinema it's mad it's mad in my eyes bullet time is something that was conceived for the matrix specifically each camera has a specific moment in time to fire a frame of film all that is uh taking into account the net effect the total effect of the move that is a camera coming up to speed moving at a speed and coming uh, uh off a of speed So, slow motion destruction we just talked about. Right. I've got one for you. Swordfish, the opening of Swordfish. What is that one? I don't remember what that one is. So the opening of Swordfish, they did very similar to what the Matrix did with Bullet Time. They strung a lot of cameras together in a daisy chain, but rather than do it on a green screen, they did it out on location on a street. And it was the opening where the bomb goes off and it blows up the surrounding police cars and buildings and people that are at this hostage situation. Okay. They spent about five million for that sequence and it took three days to shoot it and eight months in post-production. All that the script had written down for this one sequence was Kaboom, which shows you shows you the power of screenwriters. (laughs) 
that's a, a really good destruction one. Do you have any other ones that you like? Oh, dist- um, explosive ones. I'm just trying to think of any explosive ones. I Christ. So you're specifically saying kaboom ones, like blowing up ones, right? Uh, so yeah, um, destruction. So yeah, destruction. See, I was going I, in my head. I've got a couple of examples of violence, but I think it's different. I'll give you another one then. Go on. The hurt locker. Oh shit! Yeah, I was. I wrote that on my list. Fuck it. Fuck. Oh yeah, that's a good one, Kevin. Sorry. This is why you should be prepared. Well, when you come on the podcast, I have. The, I have the list. I have a list somewhere. I'm so fucking embarrassed. So the Hurt Locker was a film that came out that involved a slow motion sequence where you got to see destruction. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites as well. Moving on, Kevin. What happens in the Hurt Locker sequence? What happens there? Have a guess. Okay, people get hurt and they're in a locker. There's a bomb. It's a bomb exploding and uh, uh, and someone's warning them off. This is my technique, right? Style it out. I'm falling. Yeah. I'm going to smack my ass and then I have to get up and, and pretend like nothing happened. The only way yeah. to, to, to make that work in your favor is to just style it out. Just, you know, you fall on the floor. Just lie down. Just, you know, stretch out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, take a selfie. Do something. But don't <laughs> panic. And don't let anyone know that this is unintentional. Forty-eight minutes of research. You mean to be <laughs> this messy? This is the this is the approach to this episode. We're falling in slow motion. We are. You're talking about destruction, but uh, I think one of the most prolific uses of slow motion is in violence. When capturing violence uh, on camera, death. You know why? Because they say why? that when you're heading towards disaster. Time tends to slow down. But it is true. You know, if you're ever in one of those moments, like I've been, I've been in maybe one or two, uh, two car crashes, like as a passenger. Have you really? And oh, as a passenger, yeah. I'm glad you uh, pointed that out. No, I've never, I, I've never even had uh, a tip as a, as a driver, thankfully, touch wood. But in those moments, definitely you have a sense of those seconds just elongating out and you can see chaos ahead of you and you just can't do anything to stop it it just feels everything just slows down in those moments and it's true in cinema when you are in danger your brain relaxes with mind-altering effects like extra vivid perception of sights and sounds intense mental focus and greater absorption of information and memories this psychological phenomenon creates the sensation of time dilation it is known as the flashbulb effect it is an adaptive response home through evolution since the brain estimates the passage of time by how much information is processed within a given interval more detailed memories make it feel like more time has passed whoa you can condition your brain to view the world in fast mode and get accommodated to it very quickly. It's like listening to podcasts on fast speed. And then you come out of that. You listen to people speak normally. Can't do it. It's fascinating the way the brain works. But that's why cinema is so appealing to us because I think cinema and the techniques used in cinema replicates what happens in our brains. Like in dreams, I talked about how the, the editing of dreams is like the editing in cinema. But also when we see slow motion being utilized on in films, it doesn't feel unorganic because we can relate to it in some weird subconscious or abstract way. We understand slow motion versus in films like Tennis, where Tennis uses a concept of moving backwards. That made me feel motion sick. My brain couldn't couldn't reorientate itself to that yeah. language or or utilization or or uh, I suppose what's the word visualization of how action is going because I couldn't relate to it in my real life, if, if that makes any sense. It does. You know, when you hear about people getting motion sickness watching a film, yeah, where it's like shaky cam or whatever, that never really bothers me. But watching Tenet 
I was physically uncomfortable watching that film. Yeah. It felt like the two lobes of my brain were being cleaved apart. I just, I didn't enjoy the process of trying to track what was going on. It was just fucking my head up. But yeah, it's interesting. Slow motion, I've never never had any sort of reaction to it. But then again, you, you get a topic thrown at you and you think, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I've got some that I think I can remember and recall, mm-hmm. but I don't have any sort of like emotional reaction to any words. Like, wow, that's a moment. Can I ask you, what type of slow motion moments do you not like? I don't any specific ones where you feel like, oh, you roll your eyes or you, you feel, oh, no, I don't, I, this, this doesn't work for me. Because I have ones, I kind of identified the type of slow motion that I, that I don't like. And it's when slow-mo is being used just to be fucking cool. It really, you know. Slow-mo walks. Yeah, I, unless it's setting a tone. It depends on the context of the film itself. It's funny. But the ways that you will see it used is for death when somebody is in their last moments and you're getting to see the bullet slowly tear through the flesh or they're falling and you get to see them just drop in super slow motion. But then you see it a lot in like high school movies when they walk into the school and they're all strutting in slow motion. Yeah. It's like the Kill Bill moment, yeah. which is a great moment, actually. It's one of my favorite moments in that, in that movie and was parodied an awful lot. There's a cool factor, I suppose, to slow-mo. So it's like a good way to introduce a character, but also send out a character. Like immediately, as soon as you said characters falling to their death, I immediately just went, oh, Alan Rickman and Die Hard. Well, I hope that's not a hostage. Yeah, I know. I know his his arms seem to grow long in in that in that shot. Am I right? No, they don't. They're not in that. What no, film? That's Robocop. Oh, it's Robocop. They go. They grow long. That's right. The Rickman one is excellent because they dropped him. Welcome to the best bits. I know. I know. I know. We're, t- I'm just, we're talking off the cuff here, but it's that reaction, that slow down reaction that he gives. They get what they get. Where they dropped him. They said they were going to drop him at the count of three, but they actually dropped him on two. And his reaction, his surprise is quite genuine in that moment. And you know, we, we're relishing as an audience, why you slow-mo in that moment, right? This is my question. Why you slow-mo, right? Because I'm saying there's slow-mos that I don't like where it's just, they're there to be cool. But in that moment, they haven't used slow-mo really throughout the film. But in Die Hard, they use in that moment. And we're relishing the defeat of the bad guy, of Anna Rickman's character falling to his doom and John McLean being triumphant in that moment. And I think that's a cool, cool use and appropriate use of slow-mo in that particular instance. I'd agree with that. Cliffhanger as well. The slow-mo fall there. Oh, in the start of the movie or the end of the movie? Remember, you know, at the beginning. I can't remember the end of the movie. I don't remember the end. Oh, when he, no, when uh, the helicopter's fall, that's a slow-mo. Oh no, when he's, the beginning. The prologue, yeah, where he's out with his girlfriend. Is that? When, when, no, it's not his girlfriend. It's his mate's girlfriend. When he's out with his mate's girlfriend. The lady, right? Yeah, when he throws her off the mountain. <laughs> he doesn't throw her off. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> when she falls, I think that's in slow motion. It is. It feels like it is in slow motion. Absolutely. But they're devastating. They're big, devastating moments. Yeah. You can do it, sir. Hold her, Gabe. Hold her. Gabe, please don't let me fall. Please. Please don't let me fall. 
I don't want to die. You're not going to die. Sarah, I got you. Just reach up. There's a great sequence, actually, that's in slow-mo that became viral over the last few years. And I've not seen the film, but it's a Turkish film called Karate Girl from 1973. I know this one. And it's regarded as one of the worst death scenes of all time. And it's a... It's a guy getting shot multiple times. He's wearing like a polo neck and he's like falling against the wall and he's sliding down and he's grabbing his chest and he's falling against the locker and he's falling into the bed and whatever. And um, it's awful, but it's in slow motion, so it's worth mentioning. It's unintentionally so funny. It's, it's been an internet thing for quite a while. If you have not seen it, it is worth Googling. It's the, what you call it? What was it called? It's the Karate Girl? Karate Girl, yeah. It's very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing thinking about it right now. And it's so funny. You know one I actually liked that elicited conflicting emotions in me from a film that I think is really good and I think maybe has been reassessed and people don't really like it as much now. But I remember loving the slow-mo in the film Drive the Nicholas Wending Reffin film Ryan Gosling and it's a specific scene where they're in an elevator he's in an elevator with Carrie Mulligan and we're in there and a moment of violence erupts but before that it's there's it's underscored by this beautiful piece of music and he moves her to the side in slow motion I believe they kiss in slow motion yeah and then this moment of violence erupts kicks the shit out of the fella smashes in his head like stomps in his head it is sickening it's it's just awful but it's this juxtaposition of of romance and violence but using slow-mo to emphasize it and it really was I think very effective in that particular scene I really like that one Another slow-mo dead one that's worth mentioning is Killing Them Softly, the Andrew Dominic one. I've not seen this film. So Brad Pitt pulls up to where Liotta, he's in a car in the rain and shoots him. The bullet takes off out of the barrel in slow motion and just smashes through his hand and his head and blows him to bits. But it's it's turning something disgusting and horrifying into something balletic and, and almost magical looking. Whether that's glorifying violence or not, I don't know. This is the thing. It extends a moment that in reality would just go by so fast that you'd, you'd feel something entirely different. You'd feel shock or you'd feel confusion. But when you're seeing it in slow motion, you get to basically sit with the feeling of, oh, fuck, he's gone. Like in The Departed, when Martin Sheen was thrown off the roof, I remember the audience reaction to that. And I think maybe that's what slow-mo can do in those moments is allow you time to process yeah. something which you don't want to have happen no 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 no
You see, this is it. I think we're actually getting to something that's very important about why you slow-mo. Why is it important for this particular scene? And the ones I don't like generally happen in films like Michael Bay's movies where, you know, in a bad boys movie where we have shots where it's like a bullet going through something because it just looks cool. Where we use slow-mo just kind of like, whoa, look at that thing blowing up. Look at that, whatever. It looks cool, doesn't it? I think slow-mo should be used very sparingly and uh, in moments where we really want to feel the impact. Zack Snyder would disagree. (laughs) How much does he use it? Like, yeah, that's the thing. Zack Snyder films, mm, he's the master of slow-mo. His opening credits, though, they feel like tableaus that he's creating. They really do benefit from that slow-mo. Those are the ones that are interesting. The one for Watchmen is interesting. That's captivating because you have, yeah, as you just as you said, it's a tableau. It's catching you up and it's going through all the different eras of the, the former Minutemen, I think it was. Yeah. And your eye is moving across the screen because we're kind of like stuck in these like specific moments. You need to be able to try and take in everything that's happening in that particular frame. What's your favorite part of the screen to look at? <laughs> the top right. <laughs> really? Yeah, Mine is the middle. I like to look in the middle of the screen. Uh, um, yeah, the opening to Watchmen, he had, uh, he didn't really use it in Man of Steel, but there's a really good one in Justice League, actually, because of the flash. Oh, which one is this? <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's because the flash, obviously, is like Quicksilver. He can move at super speed. So in order to... to couldn't dr- tell. Couldn't tell by the name. Didn't but, know. They've done that a lot. Do you remember the old Bionic Woman show and the Six Million Dollar Man? They would demonstrate super speed in slow motion. So it's like, yeah, she's going, whatever her name is, somewhere. She's running so fast, yeah. but she's running in super slow, slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Somehow that sort of in your head <laughs> makes sense. It's like, oh, she's going in fast mode at the moment. And they do it in Justice League as well, where the Flash is trying to outwit Superman, and he's fighting all of them. He's fighting Wonder Woman and Batman, and Henry Cavill is in his evil Superman mode, and he he's holding, I think, Wonder Woman by the throat, and the Flash yeah. is is zipping by, and he thinks Superman can't see him because he's going so fast, and it's this very slight side eye that Superman gives him, which is like, I see. slowly turning and you can actually go super speed as well that's a fun one where it's it's tied into the story and it is a perfect segue into marvel's version of the flash quicksilver in x-men days of future past well that's probably one of the most stand-up moments of that film isn't it it's the only thing i can remember from that film I, I, I must re-watch it. I've only seen it once. But how they utilized speed in an inventive way. It is creative. It's fun. He's moving around the room. He's just moving things at us, you know, just slightly moving. Maybe he's picking up bullets and changing their direction and stuff like that. It, I think it's the most satisfying realization of that particular superpower. Yeah, they do it a lot in superhero movies. Wonder Woman did it to an obscene degree. Every time she did a hair flick, it was in slow motion. And it felt like she was about to turn to camera and go, because I'm worth it. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> you see, this is the thing. If you use slow motion too much, it doesn't mean anything. It, it, just, it just nullifies all the other uses of slow motion throughout the film. 
Do you know which did use it very well, though? Dread. Definitely. Your crimes are multiple homicide in the manufacture and distribution of narcotics. How do you plead? Defense noted. Dread, they have a drug actually called slow-mo. Yeah. They make slow-mo unique to that movie. When everything slows down, it's almost like the atmosphere, the the particles in the air, they sparkle. It's like glitter in the air. As everything Mm. slows down, all the colours become more vibrant. But when Lena Headey's character is thrown over the balcony to her death, but she's given a hit of slow-mo before she goes. So what happens to Hans Gruber is a stylistic choice where we're seeing him fall in slow motion. But for her, she is the one that is having the Hans Gruber moment in reality. And it's a, it's a fantastic sequence. I loved watching that film in the cinema. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you and say I loved watching it in 3D. I particularly loved watching the, the slow-mo, that slow-mo, those slow-mo scenes in 3D because everything, well, well it, it's all because of the way my eyes work with 3D. Everything is just so still and moving so gradual. Do you keep them open? Yeah, yeah I generally try to keep them open for most of the film. It just really, really works. Those psychedelic scenes really worked. And I loved it because there was a reason to use slow-mo because it was yeah. baked into the actual story. Which leads me on to another scene where drugs cause people to see things or experience things in slow motion. The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) In this one, it's Jonah Hill is off his face on Quaaludes and the lads can see he's just off his face and it cuts into his experience (laughs) and it's terrifying. He's having an awful experience. We like to get as fucked up as possible during our business powwows in order to stimulate our free-flowing ideas, which is why we're popping these lewds like they were M&M's. We own the companies. Don't know what a lewd is? I'll tell you. Wait, 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 wait. Looks like those lewds are working their magic on Donnie right now. God, I'd love to do quaaludes. I don't think I would. No, I don't think I would either. I I don't (laughs) do well with drugs. This is my drug, doing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do well with this either. (laughs) Some some slow-mo chases that are kind of worth mentioning. Because, you know, that's the nightmare thing, isn't it? When you're in in a nightmare. You can't move at the speed that you want to move. It's like you're moving in slow motion. So in horror films, they will extend out that and you get that awful sense of of futility where you just cannot pick up the pace. And and there's two that I want to mention. Right. One of them is Squeam. Squeam? I've never heard of Squeam. What is Squeam? Good. (laughs) Oh, we're going to talk about Squeam. Oh, this is Kevin. He loves Squeam. Oh my God, I tried to get away with an episode where Kevin doesn't wake up Squeam. What's Squeam, Kevin? Oh, it's great. It's about a man and a woman. I'm the one that's going to be editing this episode. So keep going. Keep going. <gasps> it's about your one, Courtney from Friends. She's great. And then there's a killer in the first one. Squeam 2. There's another killer in Squeam 3. There may be three killers. It is true. I love stealing drugs. And I love terrifying dogs. Definitely. Cake on. <laughs> that one where the knife is going into Drew Barrymore is just a brief one, but it came to me because the one that I wanted to bring up. Go on. It's the host. When the girl is trying to flee 
the monster. Oh, it's in daylight. It's moving in slow motion. And it works. You believe it. It feels like a real thing that's pursuing her. I have to watch that again. It's been years. I saw it when it first came up, but I have to watch that film again. Same. 48 minutes of research. You were talking about uh, ballet early on. I know you talk about it all the time. And I think as soon as you brought up ballet and violence and slow motion, there's one particular filmmaker that we cannot not mention in this episode. He, the, the, the term gun fu was coined because of his films. I know who you're talking about. Who am I talking about, Kevin? David Attenborough. No, John, John Woo. John <laughs> Woo gung fu. It uh, rhymes. I was trying to throw you off. It's going to be coming up. Spoiler alert. alert. Don't worry. He's coming up. Spoiler alert. Yeah, if even if it was to pick one, I'm going to pick the one from Hardboiled. Because in all of his films, he uses slow-mo to some effect. I think it can become distracting. You know why that is? Why? Because the doves, he explained this in one of his interviews, that doves for him are magical creatures. Doves or doves? Doves. Doves? What do you think? Doves. Doves. Dubs. Part of Christ. Doves. What are you doing? Dubs, <laughs> as in, are you from Dublin? I. All right. Dubs. Dubs. No, white birds. Right. The white yeah. birds are magical creatures. I saw an interview with John Woo where he was saying that the reason that he uses slow mo in those sequences is because he thinks of doves as magical creatures. <laughs> well, what other reason should you? There's no better reason. And that's. <laughs> And that the doves, they set off a, a, a magical ore which slowed <laughs> I see, I don't know if this is a real thing you've heard. Because honestly, I would believe it. I'm, the way making, he's got, it, I'm making it up. Why does he do, why does he use doves? I don't know. Like it honestly is, it's so, it's like, I need a signature. I need a signature. But like, this is the thing with directors, you know, and there's a certain era of directors. I've they seen all doves have to have cry. Their, You've seen Dubs cry. I have. <laughs> I have too. Premiered the Grabbers. <laughs> I've seen Dubs cry when Donegal beat them in 2013. Donegal. Yeah, why does he use slow-mo? But one of his one of his trademarks is using slow-mo. And I think the one scene where I do think it looks pretty great is in the opening, one of the early scenes in Hard Boiled, uh, the tea room scene. Where when he's boiling the egg. When he's boiling. It's in slow motion. <laughs> there's a gun deal and a legal yeah, gun deal going on. A watched down. pot never boils. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> An illegal gun deal goes down. Uh, there's guns hidden in the, in a no, dove cage. Stopped. A watch clock never. What is it? A watch clock never boils. Are we talking about. Are we. What is this? The bad old saying podcast? Or is it. What is it? A watch. A stopped clock. Uh, no, a uh, uh, watched watch. phone never rings. No, <laughs> I watched. That's true, actually. Last 12 months have been quite quiet. <laughs> watched clock never clocks. A watched egg never rings. A watched clock never, never boils. <laughs> I'm going to slow this right down, drag it right out. Okay. What were you talking about? You were talking about um, Zombieland. The tea room fucking gun shootout. <laughs> the tea room shootout. Oh my god. Hold on the peak. The tea room shootout. The tea room shootout in Hard Boiled. Gung Fu at its best. 
guns going off left, right and centre. Bang, bangity, bang. Sliding down the banister. Double barrel... I'm uh, sorry, uh, what's it? Two, two-fisted two guns? How does it? He's got guns in both Double hands. fisting. Double fisting. <laughs> <laughs> It is. Why? Why is it good? I honestly can't. Let me say. just look that. Let me hang on. Let me just double check that fisting. <laughs> oh my god! I don't want to watch that Kevin, in slow mo. I tell you that. <laughs> Looks like your computer's got a virus, Kevin. Your screen's going fucking crazy. I can't even see my screen. There's so much shit on it. I just need to wipe it down. Um. Yeah, that's a good one. I really like that one. If I had to pick one out of Jamu's entire catalog, it's the tea room shootout scene. And I think it's fun to watch. And a great film. You should watch it. For me, it would be in Mission Impossible 2 when Tom Cruise hair flicks in slow-mo don't hate me because I'm beautiful that's amazing my least favourite Mission Impossible same speaking of Brian De Palma what's he done in slow-mo the Untouchables Carrie oh the, the Odessa <laughs> Untouchables. Steps the Untouchables yes the Odessa Steps from Battleship Potemkin which yeah. is spoofed by Naked Gun 33 and a third and all comes back it all comes around it's all all comes together. back to the Naked Gun movies really does but yeah the slow motion going down the steps in all three, they are remarkable. All I like that sequence in Naked Gun 33 and a third as well, which is spoofing Untouchables, and Untouchables is homaging Battleship Potemkin. Also known as stealing. Homaging. Just Copying. like our podcast, we homage other people's research. That's true. And I like it because it's tense. It's a, a shootout on the stairway. The little baby carriage is going down the steps forever and ever and ever. But I think mm-hmm. it's actually quite effective. It is, and it looks, it does, it does look cool. We see a slow-mo shootout on those steps. Very cool slow-mo scene. Hey, look, it's the president! And the Pope! Yes. I'm so, I'm so carrying this episode for you, Kevin. Frank! Are you all right? I'm soaking wet. I'll get the talcum powder. No, no, it's not that. I had a nightmare. Oh, my God. I'm actually, I'm going to have a sore back for all the carrying I'm doing here. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes here. I've written down here, there's no slow motion in Jurassic Park, but in Jurassic World, there is. So that's something to bring up. Holy <laughs> shit. Jeez, the insight this episode. I thought this was supposed to be a fascinating topic. I thought it, it is a fascinating be- <laughs> topic, but if I had more than 48 minutes uh, to research it. Yeah. You've had a but month. that'll tell you the different directing styles yeah. of Spielberg versus Trevorrow. And as we know, Spielberg has never used slow-mo in any of his films, which is why I probably made a note of this, was to sort of reiterate my point that I then debunked 10 seconds later. But in Jurassic World, you have a really tortured slow motion sequence of Bryce Dallas Howard running in her high heels away from a T-Rex. And yeah. it's almost comical. It's trying to be cool and it's trying to be exciting, but it looks comical, her slow motion high heel steps. And there you go. It's like when when you're using slow-mo, you be very, very careful. You know why you're using it. And if it's just to look cool, you're kind of screwed. 
that's why people mention uh, three hundred has been on a lot of lists, and three hundred looks cool. But I feel nothing for three hundred. I feel absolutely nothing. It's just all muscle. Well, except for the the strange, growing feeling I have in my pants. They they look at your face. You're so proud of that joke. <laughs> they they paint on those abs. Do you know do that? What? They, they do. painted them on. Yeah. So they contour them on. They'll put dark, they'll do like um knots and crosses on their, their <laughs> oh. <laughs> They do actually do that though. They draw like knots and crosses and they shade it. <laughs> it makes them look like they have abs. But they don't have abs. Oh. It's all mock. Movie business oh is full God. of shit. I'm getting up my kids' paint kit. Karen is going to be in for surprise tonight. Yeah, but you need to you need to get a little less white in order to sell it. So you know if you're doing, well, no, I could. That means I can put in more apps. <laughs> like I don't think eighteen pack natural. Can you point to? Because I've got an example of slow mo being used in horror to good effect. Carrie, oh, tell me what's Carrie one. The blood falls in slow mo. Ah. Oh. Well, now, isn't that mad? So I can connect into that. It is. Because my my uh, pick was from another Stephen King adaptation, which is also blood falling in slow motion. And it's from The Shining, or The Shining, as Willie the Groundskeeper would say. <gasps> Boy, you read my thoughts. You've got The Shining. You mean Shining. Shh, you want to get sued? Uh, it's when the blood coming out of the elevator in slow motion. Took them mm-hmm. nine days to set up that shot or to get that shot, and they only had one go at it or something like that. Why didn't they just use a little model? It's been a lot easier because it looks like a model to me. And Kubrick was a man, a filmmaker known for doing things the easy way. He really was, to be fair to him. I don't think that's true, to be honest with you. I don't know where you heard that. Really? <laughs> Tom Cruise was. Well, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were, were effectively prisoners on the set of Eyes Wide Shut for five years or something like that. Ah, uh, um, he broke their heart and he ruined their marriage. Ruined their marriage. <laughs> Everyone says it. <laughs> Was that? Um, so yeah, but that's that's really effect- why is why is the one in The Shining really good? The reason I think it's really good is because it's a horrific image, and as you said, there's something about blood. You you've got the you've got that thing where you don't like blood coming out of face of vagal response. But that no, I'm fine with spurting. Ah. I'll <laughs> juvenile. We're so juvenile in this episode. Go on. <laughs> no, it's it's slitting wrists or having blood drawn or people right. having paper cuts. Anything where blood is seeping out, for some reason, slow uh, a flow of blood getting queasy. You know, just talking about it. I don't like that. I don't know what it is, but I get really lightheaded. But I can watch somebody having their head fucking blown open with a shotgun or somebody getting slashed with a machete and I'm fine. Mm. But it's if somebody slashes their own wrists, I'm like, no. Yeah, <sighs> no, it's it's eerie. And again, yeah, it's yeah. like, we shouldn't see it this way. And in The Shining, it's a nightmare fuel and it's adding to the horror of this hotel or the potential threat that it's going to be to Jack Nicholson's family. Uh, so yeah, it's quite good. I've got another horror one for you, which is really scary. Go on. Zombieland. The opening oh, to Zombieland. Right. I've not seen it, but you know, the title implies that it's really <laughs> scary, like a land full of zombies. 
my god <laughs> yeah no I, I did see that that's the best moment of that film the opening sequence oh and is that all in, in slow-mo or a lot of a lot of slow-mo used in that a lot of slow-mo's used in that you know it's like um it's the outbreak of the zombie invasion zombie right. invasion zombie outbreak it's the outbreak yeah. of the zombie outbreak and people are running and they're falling and they're falling in the windows and it's all slow-mo it's yeah it's very slow motiony. Dave Minogue, who is a, a regular listener, he recommended a, a slow-mo scene from Spider-Man, the first Tobey Maguire film, the scene where we see Spider-Man rescuing people from the burning building. And there's an attack from by the Green Goblin. And he's, Green Goblin's throwing... Uh, his pumpkin bombs or whatever they're called. No, yeah, a, but his Spidey sense, he slows everything down. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, that's cool. And, and it makes sense, again... Why you slow mo? Well, his spidey sense kind of like makes him experience things in slow motion. So there's a narrative reason to use slow mo for the character of Spider Man. I dig it. Do you know one which is very funny as well? Which one? In Anchorman 2, when they are in the RV. Yeah. Hey, Ron, who's driving? Oh, it's okay. It's on cruise control. <laughs> it's like Final Destination. Yeah. They have so much shit set up. He's like deep fat fryer going. Ron! Why do you have this bag of bowling balls in this terrarium filled with scorpions? Oh, the scorpion terrarium. That's right. <laughs> hey, Ron, cruise control just regulates speed. It doesn't steer. That's right. You come again? <laughs> it, goes off, it goes off the road in slow motion. You get to see the chaos of everything that could go wrong in the back. People getting burned with the hot oil and the bowling balls smashing into Steve Carell's balls and <laughs> scorpions. It very it's funny. hilarious. Very, very funny. I love Paul Rudd saying that. He says, you do know cruise patrol is not autopilot. It just regulates the speed, yeah? <laughs> and I mean, we've all fallen for that. You know, it happens. Well, I used to think when cruise control was a regular feature in American uh, in American cars, I used to see him on TV and I assumed that cruise control was like autopilot. I was like going, oh, I'd love to have cruise control in a car up here. I was 10 at the time, Kevin. Was it like... Okay, I'm glad, right. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I bring you to my pick, Kevin? No. And it's a filmmaker you've already mentioned. David Attenborough. And it's one of the earliest filmmakers for me who I n- knew his use of slow motion was something that really appealed to me. But as I've gotten older, I now know why. And doing this topic actually made me revisit some of his scenes and I realise now, oh, why do I like this? He combines explosions, destruction, shootouts, action. I love his use of slow motion in Cross of Iron, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. But the one I'm going for is final shootout in The Wild Bunch. It's Sam Peckinpah. He does an interesting thing. This is one of the things, and I want to get serious for a second, right? We're talking about the use of slow motion. Sam Peckinpah, he does an interesting choice when editing his slow-mo scenes, and he does it across nearly all of his films, where we will see there's kind of three parties, and it's always he goes in slow motion and violence. It's uh, almost like he's, he's, he's depicting acts of violence as these, as these horrible moments of destruction and death, where we see the person who's who's doing the killing versus the person who's being shot, right? But then he does an interesting thing. If there's a third party in the scene, like kids in the case of some scenes in The Wild Bunch, if there's kids who are caught up in the shootout, he will cut to them, but not show them in in slow motion. He will show them, like, uh, jarring back in terror and fright. 
and there's yeah. a the juxtaposition of the slow motion and the third party experiencing this and being frightened and terrified. Snaps you it. back into reality. That's kind of it. And it's a really jarring contrast. But in my mind, it's not glorifying violence at all because we are seeing squibs going off in the victims and it's and they're dying horrifically. And we're also seeing the innocent bystanders being terrified by this. And also it is quite cinematic to look at and beautiful and balletic like John Woo, but I just think he's, he, I, he used it to great, great effect in all of his films, and I think he was a master of it. And what you're talking about there and that the specific choices, like to do slow-mo, you have to, well, you did have to know ahead of time that this is what you wanted to do because you're burning through so much extra film. And that's a stylistic choice that you have to commit to because you can't then go back into the edit room and think, uh, well, that doesn't work. Can we, can we go back to normal mode? It's just going to look fucked up in the yeah. edit. So committing to that and knowing that he's going to then cut to the bystanders who aren't part of the action, who are seeing the violence for what it really is, which is loud, chaotic, dangerous, and scary, speaks to the person that's making the film where they're authoring the scene. It's not about capturing the action, going into the edit and arranging it in terms of the best performances that they got and what they're selling the script. It's about servicing their vision. And you have to have a vision to do a slow motion scene. Yeah. A successful yeah. one, I think. I agree. I agree. That's my pick, Kevin. And it's Sam Peckinpah. He was a master of slow-mo, much better than how it's used in most films these days. True enough. And you don't see slow motion much in TV. Yeah, that's a good point. Can't think of one offhand. I immediately always go, when you say it's, when you say TV, I'm just going to go, did they do it in Game of Thrones? That's what I always think. Did they do it in Star Trek? They did do it in Game of Thrones. They did do it in Game of Thrones. Yeah, the Battle of the Bastards. The famous image of uh, Jon Snow pulling out the sword and the horses coming towards him galloping yeah. head on in slow motion yeah yeah Game of Thrones great show well worth watching we haven't touched on the Matrix because it's an obvious one bullet time did change the landscape when it came to action shooting and uh, action movies it was remarkable at the time you really felt like you were seeing stuff you hadn't seen before dodge this but I didn't go for that one because it is an obvious pick. And I feel like everyone that's coming to this episode will already have the Matrix as their pick. Again, the use of slow motion in that film is appropriate because they are it's rooted in, in story. It's rooted in story. Again, it's not mm-hmm. because it's cool. It does end up looking cool, but it's rooted in story. It's not like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, like walking in. <laughs> I didn't bring up and that the wind series blowing through once. his hair. Oh my God. Or Legolas like jumping in slow motion. Here we gotta go on. <laughs> did I bring up Scream? Oh, Kevin did bring up Scream this episode, folks. I honestly love exploding in guys' butts. Definitely. I have the power to shut you up. <laughs> go on. No, I went with the next most obvious pick. And it's not John Woo and it's not Sam Peck and Paul and it's not Spielberg and all of his slow motion scenes. I actually don't know it's, where you're going with this. It's Christopher Nolan's Inception. Oh, okay, of course. Where time yeah. slows down and an entire action sequence, in fact, almost the entire third act, is cut around the slow motion of the van 
Oh my god! You're so falling off the bridge. And it is fucking riveting. Yeah. And and I'll cut in a clip there. Because I don't really know what else to say about that other than Nolan loves playing with time. That's in a lot of his movies from Memento yeah. to even to Tenet, Interstellar, where time moves slowly on the on the planet than it does up in space. Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah, where he's playing with format. He's playing with the, the format yeah. of, of he's, how you can cut things together. He's stretching out three different storylines. So that they can all coalesce at the same time. Yeah, even though they're not happening concurrently. He, he's been doing that for a while as well with his filmmaking technique, where if you watch even the Batman movies, the films feel like they're edited in montage. People are just like teleporting all over the place in scenes. It's just, it's whatever the line that they need to say is what you cut to. It can feel really bracing. But in Inception, I walked out of the cinema from that going, oh my God, it was like a cold drink of water after being out in the desert for years and going, that was so refreshing. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know any of the characters. It was an original story. I was swept up in it and it, it felt like proper spectacle and I loved it. On rewatches, I felt a little frustrated by it because once you've gotten all the exposition out of the way, on a first viewing when you go into it the second time it can be quite deadening I completely overlooked this film because we brought it up on dream scenes and uh, Jesus you're absolutely right you're absolutely right it's fucking using slow motion as and I reckon he will do it again I reckon he'll do more slow motion in the future whatever his next film is Oppenheimer Oppenheimer. yeah oh wait for it slow motion nukes it'll be all over Uh, (laughs) so Slow motion, mm-hmm. it's something that writers wouldn't write into scripts a lot unless they're the ones that are going to direct it. And it can work, and it can't work. And these were some of the scenes that I think did work. Yep, and why they work, and why it's important to use it, and why we should think about using them a little bit sparingly. Filmmakers are going to use slow motion. Know why you're, why you're using them, uh, not just to look cool. Forty-eight minutes of research. All right. Well done. You got it. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back for the next episode. No, we got to spin the wheel, don't we? For next time, we are spinning the wheel. What the fuck are we doing next time, Gav? We'll find out. Oh my God, are you looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, it's just around the corner. Oh lordy, I can't. Well, don't look too far ahead because you've got another episode to do, and the episode is best reunion scene. Oh my god, best reunion scene. Okay. So scenes where you get the band back together. Not literally, but maybe sometimes literally. American like, Pie. There was an American Pie reunion film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so it, ha- so it happens an awful lot, I find, in third acts. After the, the, the end of the second act, when the band is broken up and you have that low point, then everybody comes back together and they all sort of put their differences aside and the band gets back together. And it happens an awful lot in sequels, first act of a sequel, where or everyone has been scattered to the four corners of the earth. And if the okay. whole film itself is I got a, a mission. reunion. If the whole film itself is a reunion, which would be the yeah. case. I got a couple in my head already. Okay, Legacy okay. Legacy sequels. Actually, yeah. yeah. Or requels. As they, as they said in Squeam Squeam <laughs> Squeam That's what it is That's what the name of the film is Best film ever Squeam I honestly love Exploding Dogs Okay So we're back 
right before Christmas yeah. with best reunion scene. But hey, oh my god, I'm fucking sweating. I feel like I've I've performed open heart surgery and I I'm half drunk. But is is this in the episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, everyone, good luck. The audience can decide whether the patient is dead or not. Right. Back soon for another episode of The Best Bits. Bye. Good luck. Bye. The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search the Best Bits podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. I love Kevin. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits for Will and Kevin. No, the best bits for Kevin and Willem. The films and the, with the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. Okay. <laughs> you can't you know, what? <laughs> oh my God. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits for Kevin and Willem. Talking deviantly. Okay, right. I'm going to find the fucking thing. Because it's going to be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing. And think I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it. That'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened to it. I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like, nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought, they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, of yeah. course, I was delighted with that. And people hated it. <laughs> it's not, it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy on the ears in, a, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm I'm, I'm Hogwarts and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly it's good. Good. So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. I'm not, that. I've not. I've. I've not heard this. I swear to God. I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm. I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem. About the telly and the latest film. Talking shite at the dynamic duo. Don't forget, now you owe three euro. I come off the stage. Oh, that. <laughs> That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I I I I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet, and does I that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be in the proximity of a toilet. Yeah, I'm saying you just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man. I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there, 
sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about. Should I start the timer? Have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare to go. I saw Madam Webb. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I I know is I saw a poster very recently. It went... There's a Madam Web film, and I'm what is it? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies. But I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought. I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago, and I thought it was just tedious. Are you it's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel. Is that what Marvels? You're well, yeah. she's in it. Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel two. It was just sort of like it was another one of those films that felt like Ant Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and mm-hmm. airless, and you know you just have sound stage after sound stage and. I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films. We feel like yes, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels... It's artificial, wafer-thin, just wafery, artificially, no sustenance, no satisfaction... You know protein in it whatsoever. You feel like, oh, yeah. wow, I just, I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry. It feels like eating plastic. Okay. On the whole, it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them. Yet, I found The Flash really fun because it was—it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers. And I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of the flash I just thought you know it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that so I went to the Madam Web not really giving a fuck about the genre but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's, she's shitting out exposition and I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage and uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played that out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but they've almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> Oh, I have to listen to it. it was, I'm really curious. I'm really curious. disgusted because Kathy was pushing back and... 
I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Catty here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I liked Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Mm-hmm.